Welcome to the Extra Point Podcast. Extra Point is a ministry of the teaching and preaching ministry of Moberly Baptist Church in East Texas. Extra Point allows us to go into the message a little deeper that we shared on Sunday, cover some extra points that we didn't have time to talk about in the message. And I'm Paul Coleman, the teaching pastor here at Moberly, and today I'm joined by Jeffrey Davis, who's our campus pastor on our Marshall campus. So, Jeffrey, it's good to see you today. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, it's fun to be here and uh, be talking about this sermon series, Entangled. Uh, last week on the podcast, you had Greg Martin, who uh, reminded us about the video, and uh, you gave a little shout out to our media team, but that video is so cool, uh, the bumper video. Tell us why you think it's awesome. Just go back and kind of <laughs> recap it. Well, I actually mentioned that, I think at the 11 o'clock yesterday, it's gritty, and it's uh, seeing that rope go around that guy, and then at the very end where he's completely covered up by it, and the rope is still trying to drag him down. I think that is just such an accurate picture of what happens when anybody gets entangled in sin, and it is gritty. The mu- I asked our guys, I was like, Did you, was that a track that y'all had? And, and actually... One of our guys, Michael Browning, played that on the guitar and did the wow. feedback and everything. And I was like, oh, that was perfect. I mean, just really, even when it starts, you hear a little bit of feedback. Mm-hmm. And it's, I just think it, it's, uh, it's raw and it's gritty. And there's no nice way to talk about being entangled. So no. that really sets it up well. And I'm sure it's something they could sell to other people. I mean, it, it is it's oh. great. I think it's yeah. Really well done. So I'm ex- I'm always excited when something like that leads in because it just captures everybody's attention. I think there's probably several people out there who wonder what we're talking about, and if they can go on Moberly.org and uh, click on the sermon archive, they can watch it and uh, and see it, and maybe even just take a fresh look at it. Maybe they saw it on a Sunday and they go, "What was that?" Yeah. But now to look at it through the lens of what we're talking about—a visual representation of how sin entangles us. It might hit you in a new way. We got a great team. Our, our whole team was involved in that. Our media guys, our camera guys, um, video produce, production guys, even the graphic artists here. communicate. Everybody did a great job because there's even a still that um, has a bunch of rope and the word is actually entangled, is actually the rope's entangled in it. I think Alyssa Rummel did that. It, that is really cool too. It just kind of goes along with it. So I heard the story today about how they produced it. Okay. And uh, not to get too far off topic, but uh, you know, not, and not to give away their trade secrets, <laughs> right? But uh, apparently, they can film some things uh, in slow motion, and in real life, they're doing the reverse. But then they play back the video. They turn it around and flip it and play it in reverse, which makes it look like the ropes wrapping itself around them. I thought that was really incredible, and it struck me. We should share the gospel and then play the original version of that where the rope is coming off. Hmm. Oh, that's about good. about how Jesus untangles us. Wow. And gives us freedom. And, uh, and That's interesting. Yeah. Just some cool thoughts about uh, hmm. the yeah. visual representation about what sin does in our lives. And the counterpart, thank goodness for God's grace, what Jesus does in our lives. He does untangle us. Yeah. That's true. Freedom. So we can run. So we can run, which is where we yeah. started this whole thing in Hebrews chapter 12. And just... 30 seconds or less, Paul, tell us the framework of this message, this whole sermon series. It came from Hebrews 12.1, where where the writer of Hebrews says, um, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us Mm -hmm. and run with endurance the race that is set before us. And and then verse 2 is really great. It talks about Jesus looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, despising the shame, endured the cross, sat down at the right hand of God. So verse 2... Yeah, we could focus completely on that, but I just 
felt like the Lord wanted me to say, let's just talk about what it looks like to be entangled. Because when you're entangled, you can't run. And right. that's so obvious. And and so I chose just the Lord kind of laid on my heart uh, four messages that relate to sins that are entangling sins, sins that are systemic sins. They are yeah. roots. Um, a couple of weeks ago in message you did, uh, you talked about um, grapevines at your house, and yeah. not everybody heard that message, so you were removing some grapevines, and you talk about that a little bit, the roots, because it kind of yeah. relates to what I'm talking about. Yeah, we were just doing some backyard work and uh, making a little fun area for our four, four-year-old turning five as a birthday present for him, and so we repurposed a grapevine trellis into a rock wall. Um, but we had to get rid of the grapes, which we weren't really taking care of anyway. It was kind of a bad deal. But uh, so it was a huge mess. And you look at this huge mess and uh, you go, man, it's going to be terrible. It's trying to take all this down. Well, interestingly enough, I took one good tug and almost the entire grapevine, a whole truckload, my pickup bed load, huh. came off the trellis. <laughs> and you looked at it and it looked like it was woven through there and all that, but it was so brittle and everything it just came off. And, uh, and then I go, wow, that was easy. Took a couple minutes, got it in my truck, and I, okay, now I got to get the roots and uh, to get rid of those, or it's going to grow back. And so I just uh, reached down with one hand and I took a good tug, and it was nothing, nothing, not a, <laughs> not even a move, you know, not even a millimeter move. Okay, okay, this is going to take a little more work, so I got a shovel, get the shovel out, and I, I tried to step on the shovel, you know, give it the old college try. Shovel went in about half an inch into the dirt. <laughs> There's so many roots down there. And it just created this system underneath the ground that was clinging to the earth, literally, and uh, had, had, you know, really was just gripping on deep down underneath the surface. And, it, and so then I go, okay, well, I can't use a shovel. I got to get an axe. So I got an axe. I just start <laughs> chopping away. Dirt, you know, dulls your axe plates. So and go back and yeah. sharpen it. And then I get, finally get a bunch of this dirt away, expose some of the roots, and I have to get in there with my loppers and just start. I can't even pull the whole thing out. Just got to cut it off, right? And so finally, you know, Backbreaking hours of labor just to get these roots out. The vines came off almost immediately. Yeah, and it made so much sense to me that this is what sin does in our lives. That there are things we can, you know, we can we can seek God's forgiveness. We can move past certain sins fairly easily in our lives. Most of them, if not all of them, come from sins that are deep down inside of us that have gripped us deep underneath the surface that we may not even be totally aware of um, that we have to deal with. Uh, by God's grace in our lives and, and only by God's grace. And so I just said, as I've got uh, the beginning of that sermon is let, let the word of God work like a shovel, just digging into you and help you, help you dig a little bit deeper to expose what may be there that you weren't aware of. And then let the gospel of Jesus, the good news that he saves us from our sin, work like an ax just to chop that stuff out. Yeah. Because if you don't deal with the root, then you'll constantly have to deal with the fruit. Exactly. And so these sins, we talked about pride, pride of life. Sunday's message was about the fear of man. There's one coming this Sunday. Each of these messages deal with root things in our life. And sometimes we see the fruit, but you're right. You can confess the fruit, but you're not. sometimes we're not always aware of the root. Yeah. But these are sins that lead to other sins. And, and so Sunday we talked about the fear of man and how the fear of man... Well, the Bible says the fear of man in Proverbs twenty nine twenty five is a snare. A snare, yeah. Those who trust in the Lord will be protected. How does so, that word snare, you know, link back to Hebrews twelve? Well, the word snare means literally an, 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 a trap. Um, in a sense, it's a net. It's a fowler's net. So if a bird, 
I really don't know much about <laughs> catching a bird in a net. <laughs> you haven't I studied did fowling watch, lately. Have you? <laughs> one of my favorite shows on television for a period of time was Mountain Men. Oh, I love that show. <laughs> and and there was a guy named Marty who was in the back woods, the bush of Alaska. Mm. He'd fly into where this thing was, and he hunted martins. And, oh, wow. Um, and he would all day long. He just he had a little cabin set up out there. This was his full time thing. He would go out there and trap Martin, skin him, bring the furs in, and um, and but on that show there was a guy who did. Uh, it was a, he would trap birds in nets. I forget the birds, but I didn't know anybody did. I didn't know it was even possible to do yeah. that. These birds fly into these nets and they get tangled. Yeah. And so that's really the idea: is a snare or a trap is is. The fear of man is that in your life. It is a trap. It is something that entangles you. And, um, you know, you think about any hard decision that you've ever had to make, maybe a decision related to having to confront something that you see going on around you that's not right. Well, you're going to have to confront someone about that, Mm -hmm. a person, mankind, (laughs) the fear of a man or the fear of men or like the fear of mankind. So... Oftentimes, we allow the fear of what they might think about us or say about us or do to us to keep us from doing the right thing. Right. We get worried about that. So there were a lot of examples, and there are a lot of examples in the Bible of people who got that wrong, a right. lot of examples to learn from in that way. Yeah, you talked about Moses, and, uh, and what an interesting—excuse uh, me, you talked about Abraham. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Another Genesis character. Yeah. <laughs> that was a different sermon. Yeah, Paul. But yeah, this one was Abraham and his wife and yeah. uh, and going to Pharaoh uh, and then to Abimelech later in Genesis. And uh, and so those of the, the listeners who maybe missed the message on Sunday should definitely go back and, uh, and listen and hear that link about how even all the way back to Genesis, this has been an issue for people uh, that we have fear of mankind and that it traps us in our faith and we don't necessarily see what God wants to do. Um, our communication with God is interrupted. We've talked about our uh, influence uh, on others is disrupted, and our growth in in Christ is uh, it's going to be disrupted. And our influence is corrupted, yeah. and those are the threads that weave throughout every one of these messages about entangling. Um, what is what else in the Bible have you thought about uh, in relation to this sermon about the fear of man? Maybe a New Testament reference. Can you think of any New Testament references? Well, I shared on on Sunday, you know. Peter obviously denied Jesus, and though all the disciples on the night of Jesus' arrest, all the disciples deserted him, Peter kind of followed from afar and then wound up at Caiaphas' house, the high priest, where Jesus was inside being interrogated by the high priest. He's outside uh, with some servants and other people, and it's interesting that he would. One of the things I always thought was interesting about that story is that for three and a half years, Peter was with Jesus all the time, and he still thought that he could maintain some anonymity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's with the most controversial uh, <laughs> person in Jerusalem, and of course, Jesus wasn't in Jerusalem for three and a half years. But people saw him with Jesus, Absolutely. and here's this servant girl, and she's like, "I'm pretty sure I saw you with him. I'm, you're one of his." Like, you're with him, aren't you? You're a disciple. She didn't use that word, but he's like, no, that's not me. No, yeah. that wasn't me. And she looks at these other people and goes, um, this is Mark 15, I believe. She says, um, they said, no, you were. You were definitely with him. And he starts cursing and yep. swearing, the Bible says, emphatically, I never, I don't know the man. 
man, that is just such a hard thing to think about him being with Jesus for three and a half years, leaving everything essentially to follow Jesus. And then in that moment, because he was afraid, he sees what's happening to Jesus. He sees what they're doing to Jesus. And he figures it's not going to end well. They came and arrested him in the garden. Uh, They've got him in whatever shackles or however they arrested him. And they brought him now to the high priest and he's claiming to be God. So this isn't going to go well. So Peter just freaks out. Much like Abraham did in Genesis, tries to take matters into his own hand, figure it out on his own. Instead of trusting the Lord, speaking up and saying, I mean, can you imagine what might have happened? Peter might have he might have been crucified with Jesus. Who knows? Wow. I have no idea. But in that moment, he's so afraid of what people can do to him, and maybe rightfully so, that they could have done bad things to him, but he's so afraid of it that he denies Jesus. And so yeah. and then Pilate when when they bring Jesus to Pilate and they want Pilate to do something about it, and Pilate represents Rome, you know, the most powerful empire in the world at that time, he doesn't have to do what the Jews want. Uh, mm. There's certainly a tension there between trying to keep the peace so that someone above him doesn't say, hey, why aren't you doing your job? How come Jerusalem's in an uproar? We put you there to make, make sure things are peaceful. But it says he wanted to satisfy the crowd. He says, like, why do you guys want me to, what do you want me to do with him? Crucify him. They're like, well, he, well, he hasn't done anything wrong. Why would I crucify, why would I have him crucified? Uh, crucify him. So it says he wanted to satisfy the crowd. So yeah. he was afraid of what the crowd was going to do, think, or say. And so he gives him Barabbas, a guilty man, and has an innocent man crucified. So there are, I'm sure, other places I can think about, even Peter later on, with the whole uh, Judaizer argument in Galatians, Galatians. 2. Yeah. yeah, you guys will remember that uh, New Testament church, and the question comes up, what do people have to do to be saved? And these are Jewish people who've been saved, and they're thinking about the law now and thinking, well, it's important that you keep the law, and so maybe you should be circumcised, maybe you should keep the law, and then you get saved, <laughs> or as a part of getting saved. And Paul leaves Antioch and comes back to Jerusalem and says, wait a minute, no, mm-hmm. no, no, and even calls Peter out. And yep. he's like, no, no, this this, this is not the way. The gospel's enough. Jesus is enough. You don't need to add anything to it. You could never be good enough by keeping the law, so that's not the point. And so the law was supposed to instruct us and show us our need for Jesus Christ, that we could never keep the law. Mm. So even then, Peter kind of gave in again later on, even though he, after the resurrection, he stands on the southern steps of the temple in Acts, first couple chapters of Acts, and he preaches boldly, and he's not concerned about the consequences. In Acts 4, they bring him before the religious leaders, and he's boldly talking to them. You guys, we're going to keep talking about Jesus. And then later on, he gets this pressure. So it's a, I just think that just means it's a constant temptation in all of our lives. Yeah. And that's, that's why the first point was the fear of man is always a wrong motivation, always. Yeah. It, if you find yourself wondering when you're trying to make a decision, if, if, you, if part of what you're going to decide is based on whether it makes people mad, <laughs> if it's the right thing to do, it doesn't really matter if it makes people mad. Right. Now, we don't seek to be offensive in our lives, and you probably know people like that who don't care, and they just run run over people. I'm not talking about that. But but if in your equation of whether you should do the right thing or the wrong thing, you feel like doing the right thing would cost you too much in terms of what people might say to you or think about you or do to you, then you're probably entangled in the fear of man. Yeah. And I wonder if a lot of people today in current church would say, I don't really fear other people because we live in such an independent society. And we talked about that last week on the podcast, you and Greg did, 
we live in such an independent society, people think it doesn't really matter what other people think of me. Uh, and that's part of our cultural bend. Uh, but, you know, even if today you don't feel like you're entangled by the fear of man, something could happen in your life tomorrow uh, that could quickly uh, put you in a situation like that. And so it is a constant temptation uh, to, you know, succumb to the fear of man. I was thinking about how that really is about, um, and all of this really comes down to what you believe about God, right? Uh, it's yeah. about what your faith is in. I saw a quote as I was thinking about the fear of man that uh, you obey what you fear. Yeah. And yeah. if you fear of, you know, it's like an, a bullying situation. And you use an illustration about bullying uh, from a camp. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah. and if you think about what our teenagers go through a lot of times and preteens, when, when a preteen or so, uh, or a young teenager fears a bully, they'll do whatever they say. They become obedient to that because they're so afraid of what that person can do to them or think of them or say about them. And, uh, uh, but that also translates into adulthood. And it's not just about being a kid. We, we are obedient to what we fear. Some people fear um, uh, political parties or world powers and, yeah. Uh, yeah. and will succumb to whatever they say. Because of that. Well, think about right now, the whole um, social justice movement, Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, there are people who are, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. We went on our little vacation. We avoided big cities. I didn't want to get into a confrontation with people, um, so I avoided it. Yeah. And I, don't, I still wouldn't want to get in a confrontation with people about that. But sometimes that's just using wisdom i think but th there is a sense of fear in that even sure i mean that's a reality there's a lot of fear in our world and our at least in our country right now over where all this is headed the elections coming up people are fearful about that and and you know i saw a post the other day where somebody said would you be afraid to put an american flag in your yard right now now whether you whether whatever you think about the flag whatever you think about our country the point is the same if you if you are proud to be an American citizen, not saying you have total allegiance to the country versus God, but if but if you would be afraid to put a flag in your yard as a patriot, as just a, someone who's patriotic, because of what somebody might do to your home or or throw at your house or or do to you, um, you live in the fear of man. When I was a kid, I grew up over in Tyler, and they had uh, Tyler, Smith County. I don't even know now what it is, but then it was a dry county. You could not buy hard liquor or beer, even for that matter, in Smith County. People always had to drive outside the county to get alcohol if they wanted alcohol. When I was a kid, we had a, there was a proposition on the ballot to make Smith County wet. And my dad went and got a sign and put it in our front yard that was a sign that said, for the sake of my family, I'll vote dry on whatever the date was. And um, I didn't think much about that. One night, we heard our dog, we had a border collie, and She's in the fence in the backyard, and she was just barking and barking and barking and barking. And we went outside, and I figured there was a possum or something outside, you know, and uh, went outside, and she just would not calm down. So she finally came outside. She calmed down or whatever. Well, the next morning, we found that sign all torn up in a billion pieces in our front yard and beer bottles all in our front yard. Oh, my. And that dog knew something was going on Absolutely. that we weren't even aware sure. of. And uh and my dad wouldn't have cared either way. He went, he went and cleaned, I had to clean it up, and then he went and got another sign and put the sign right back up in his yard. So uh, that's an example of not being afraid of what people might say to you or what they might do to you. I remember as a kid thinking, well, next time they might throw something through our window. I don't know what they're. It was kind of weird to think that somebody came into our yard and physically did something like that. Um, 
So that's kind of what the fear of man does to you. It creates a sense of paranoia and and just causes you to, to translate everything in your life through fear. And that's not what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to yeah. trust. Yeah. And that doesn't mean it always goes great, yeah. but that's still the right answer to trust. So in today's culture, politically speaking, we are polarized. And the tactic is fear, right? From both sides. It is. To make people afraid of what will happen if the other party is in charge and things like that. And you actually mentioned this in your message about cancel culture and how almost all social media posts that exist today are motivated by the fear of man. That's true. (laughs) Seems like a lot of them are anyway. And at at a minimum, it's it's, am I going to fit in? With the culture at large, am I gonna am I gonna you know go with the go with the you know whatever people are saying, whatever the most people are saying? Am I gonna go with that, or am I gonna go against the flow? Uh, and I, I thinking about that pastorally, you know, certainly there are things that a lot of us have opinions about, uh, and that we could be brash and not care what people think and just put it out there on our social medias and stuff. And and we could even claim that we're not going to be afraid of men and what they will think about us or do to us. Uh, but even then, we might succumb to some sin in how we treat other people. Um, yeah. And so I've been thinking about um, how we gain confidence, a godly confidence. And it really is, in my opinion, about what our platform is. And so if the yeah. platform is um, an, an opinion that's political or a movement uh, that's unrelated to our spiritual convictions, uh, it may not be the best thing just to, to jump out there and be brash about uh, or to boast in or, or to be overly confident in, because frankly, we don't really know the truth about every situation. Well, can I give you an example about Please that? Please Exactly. Yeah. When, this, when this whole thing started with corona back in March, I remember having a conversation with some people here on staff about it, and I had an opinion about it. And I'm not sure my opinion was wrong. <laughs> Still not sure it was wrong. But I shared my opinion in this group of people, and I could tell that I was the only one that shared that opinion, that had that opinion. And there was a little bit of like shock on the part of the other people who were listening. And I said, don't worry. I'm not going to use my influence on this. <laughs> mm, yeah. This is my opinion. I'm sharing it with you in this closed circle conversation that we're having. Just to include it in the conversation, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna broadcast this because it is an opinion. Yeah, and I would yeah. not want to use my influence for one of my opinions. I would be glad to use my influence for the gospel because it's not an opinion. Right, it's truth. So and that's that what you're is hitting. the platform. Absolutely. Yeah, is when it comes to the gospel, uh, what are we willing to give up uh, to to make sure that people know it? And believe yeah. it. And ultimately, you're talking about Peter, the ups and downs of his life and the fear of men. Ultimately, we know how he died. He martyred. He was a martyr. That's right. For the Lord. And I wonder if that night outside of Caiaphas' house, if, if he knew what his future held, you know, had, had in store. And I doubt it. He couldn't have. Yeah. And then, you know, that's before the resurrection. I think he was, of course, the Holy Spirit came upon him after the resurrection. He was so convinced, I believe, that Jesus was the Messiah, that that was worth which is what all of us believe as Christians. That's right. That that's that's worth whatever amount of suffering, whatever the amount. Of, even if I have to lose my life, if I lose my life for sharing the gospel, which is not probably going to happen in East Texas or many parts of the country we live in, but even if it did, it's still worth it. That is worth it. It's that worth is it. worth any any retribution that man might bring against me, even if I lose everything I have, including my life. 
still worth it because that's the truth. There's a movement, you know, in our culture today uh, toward um, acceptance and tolerance for things that the Bible talks about being sinful. And we mentioned this last week in the Pride of Life, um, even the LGBTQ plus movement. And um, and there was a time early on in my ministry when Jill, my wife, and I had to kind of sit down and go, okay, if culture's moving this way, and obviously we're going to stand with what we believe the Bible says about this, um, there could be a time where we're not accepted culturally to do the work we're doing as a pastor or minister. And so what are we willing to give up? It's a good question. And we kind of came to this point. Of course, we were younger in our marriage and probably it might even be a little bit more of a struggle in the conversation now that we have kids, but we were like, yeah, we'll go to jail, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I, that's terrifying to me, yeah, really. Yeah, well, but, yeah. Think about your kids and your family. And hopefully it won't come to that because we do have freedoms and even thinking about our rights as citizens is still in this country still so far, we're still maintaining that we have yeah. certain rights. That may change in the future. <laughs> I wonder when it will change. But so far, we still have rights to speak up and express ourselves. We have religious liberty. And that's a wonderful thing. Some countries don't have that. I heard a story from uh, Francis Chan, pastor, author, that kind of changed my perspective on it because I really did think man, this, if we go down this path as a country where persecution becomes more prevalent, which I think you're right, we're not really on that path. We're kind of sheltered in some sense from that because of our freedoms. He's, he told a story about this underground church in China who uh, was mostly young people in their 20s, and they were meeting in a, you know, a secret location, and, and they got together, and they had these tattered Bibles that they just, you know, just had read the, the covers off of them, you know, and and uh, not even everybody had their own copy. They were passing them around, and and uh, he said that they had this testimony time in their worship, and they were sharing testimonies about persecution, and one person would share a testimony about how they were persecuted that week, but it wasn't like a morning persecution. They were actually celebrating it. They were laughing and and praising God that they had the privilege to go through that. That is a confidence in God. That's biblical. I mean, Jesus said, you know, blessed are you, happy are you when men insult you, revile you, and cast you out for my name's sake. In that day, leap for joy. Leap for joy. Man, I think that's such a foreign concept to people because we haven't really seen that kind of persecution We've never had to employ that strategy. Yeah. Leap for joy. That's what they were doing. They were saying, yeah. because you're being a light. That's the moment when you're shining so brightly in, in such a dark place. And so it is for, that's a little foreign to us in America. Yeah, I wonder if it just might be an encouragement to our listeners to say, you know, we, uh, we may not be experiencing that kind of persecution, but what am I afraid of? And, yeah, and you why? need to face that. You do yeah. need to face, stare that down and face it. Uh, it's not to say that things couldn't happen. I mean, it's not to say that you couldn't suffer consequences for your faith. And we certainly, if you've ever read the Fox's Book of Martyrs or right. studied the Voice of the Martyrs, you, if you keep up with the Voice of the Martyrs, there's people all around the world right now who are losing their lives. They're losing all kinds of meaningful things in their lives for the gospel. Great is their reward in heaven. That's and, right. And they're, we're eternal beings. We're not going to live here forever anyway. So... Um, Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. So that's that's foreign to us, though it really is. What would it take for us as a church, Paul, in your opinion, to get closer 
to what God would want for us in terms of that ideal? I honestly think it needs to be a, it sounds like, you could call it a revival or a revolution where, okay, I'll use it in this, I'll use an analogy, just like black people have risen up to say, we don't, we're not going to tolerate police brutality. We're not going to tolerate injustice, which I'm on board with that. I don't think anyone should tolerate any of those things. I think many police officers would say, yes, there should not be such a thing as police brutality. So, but just as they have risen up to speak about those things, I think the church has to become more vocal um, about the gospel, about the fact that people have to have Jesus to go to heaven. You can't get there without Jesus. There's not two ways or three ways to get there. There's one way to get there, and that's very offensive to people who yes. are trusting in some other way, some other religion, or just on their own goodness or merits or whatever. And so for us to be vocal and share the truth, it's it's not it matters it matters none what I think about anything, but again, it's an opinion thing, but not when it comes to the gospel. I'm sharing what Jesus taught. I'm a follower of Jesus, and he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So the church has got to be willing to be that vocal. And honestly, our voice is pretty silent. Uh, I'm just saying generally, uh, we would depend on our preachers and our teachers to do those kind of things and our on podcasts and those kind of things. But the individual Christian in their circles of influence, to ask people like the story I shared yesterday of Abraham in Israel, who repeatedly brings people into his home and asks them, have you believed in Jesus yet? You know, that's a great question. And when's the last time, you know, someone in our church invited a stranger into their home so they could ask them, have permission to ask them the question, have you believed in Jesus yet? It probably can't remember the last time that happened for right. most people. Right. And so so that's, I think, that, that revolution of, we talk about sharing the gospel and, and our church does that through programs and corporately, yes, but individually... I think most Christians rarely do that. That's right. So so we could see a revival if people would, would share the gospel. And then you mentioned on Sunday the culture of confession. And uh, that's such an important thing just to talk about uh, where we've been and, and where we're heading as a church. Um, so as we wrap up, Paul, just in a couple seconds, talk about that culture of confession again. It's a willingness, I think, to say... What all of us know, and that is that none of us, none of us, none of us can move forward spiritually without confession in our life. Right. Because we all of us fail, we all sin, we all struggle with the fear of man. I have to confess that fear, the fear of man, creeps into my life sometimes, and that's why that's why the first point was so important to me. Is it's never the right motivation. It's always the wrong motivation. So anything that I'm doing out of the fear of man is always going to be the wrong decision. On the other hand, it's always a trust issue. So anytime I trust the Lord, it's always going to come out. Whether it, whether I suffer in some way or not, it's still going to be the right thing. It's still going to please the Lord. So a culture of confession to me is just being willing to to say, I don't I don't get this right all the time. Whether that's coming forward on a Sunday morning and saying I need to repent of this, or whether it's admitting in your connect group, I struggle with this. I I gave into this this week. It just in your conversations, being able to say. Would you pray for me? Uh, I I really struggle with this. I struggle with the pride of life or the other sins we're going to talk about coming up. It's a really a struggle for me. I'm, I don't have it all together in this area. And I'm not just saying that's a license to continue in sin. 
I'm confessing it to you so that you can help hold me accountable. So I don't want it to be this way anymore. I want it to be changed in my life. And I'm ready to bring it out of the secrecy and the darkness in my life and bring it into the light so we can talk about it. And I think that's embarrassing for people and it's shaming to people sometimes who, who want to just give the idea of I've got it. No one really wants to give off the idea, I think, that I've got it all together because we know that's a false narrative. Hmm. But we live that, unfortunately, we, because we never talk about where we fail. Yeah. So, in, you know, in your smaller groups, with your friends, people you trust, being able just to confess to each other, I struggle with this, uh, and I need to just trust the Lord with it. That's right. And that will become so important, especially in the next week as we continue this sermon series. And I'll just ask our listeners to be in prayer for our church, because yes. confession is going to be a necessary point uh, in our next couple of weeks uh, in this sermon series. And I would encourage our listeners to bring someone along because these are real life issues. And so whether it's inviting someone to participate online at moberly.org slash online, or whether it's inviting someone to come in person to one of our campuses uh, alongside you, uh, invite that, invite them. Don't be afraid about what they might say. Uh, invite them to come and, and see their lives changed uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are so glad you listened, and I hope this has been helpful uh, for you as a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, and as you lead others in their faith through connect groups and discipleship relationships. And I would ask you that you continue to listen and invite people to listen so that we can see each other toward maturity in Christ, like Ephesians talks about, and uh, continue moving forward as a church. Next week, tune in again uh, for the Extra Point podcast. And as always, submit questions for further conversation to extrapoint at moberly.org, and we'll see you soon.